there's so much that's stirring in my heart right now. Um, <clears throat> I just want to touch a little bit more even just on what Christy was just saying. Uh, just with this where we can run ahead and, and kind of go off. And, and I think the other side of it is getting caught in, in traditions, uh, getting caught in like our kind of our routines, our everyday. We get up, we, you know, get our coffee, we read the paper, whatever you do. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, especially in this time, and I know the Lord's actually shaken us up a bit to get us out of routine. Uh, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> there, there has been a little shaking that, that has actually taken us out of routine, but I feel like that's actually been the Lord. It's the hand of the Lord to get us out of routine that we actually get our eyes on Him in this season. And there's a scripture, and we were talking about it in the back room, there's a scripture in Mark 7 that it talks about the, the traditions of man and, and what happens when we establish traditions. Um, it says that, the traditions of man actually nullify the word of God. And uh, those are strong words. Uh, and you go, well, my tradition of coffee every morning is not nullifying the word of God. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, it is. Coffee is of the devil. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't leave. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, so... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes. When it's really cold, I will drink a cup of coffee, but not for anything else. Um, but I, I, here's what I, I just feel like. This is really important, and this is not what I was planning to talk about. But I, I think in this season, it, it, it does tie into as we, as we kind of break up the fallow ground, break up that unplowed ground, um, the areas in our heart that just are hardened. And what it is is that means that we're, you're not actually hearing the Lord and seeing what the Lord's doing in those areas. Um, and, I, and I'm telling you, this is for all of us. So don't discount this or disregard this and go, well, that's, that's for the unbelievers. No, it's actually for us. Um, it, it is for us right now. And I'm going to show you some scriptures that just talk about uh, even Jesus telling the disciples after he'd been with them for years, a few years, going, your hearts are hardened. Like, you're not seeing what I'm doing. You're not understanding. You're not perceiving the very things that I'm doing. And trust me, that's us. We're like the disciples. We're in those places of uh, we think we know what's going on. We don't. And our hearts are hardened in different areas. But, but I feel like a lot of times, even in our traditions and in the way we kind of just do things day to day, what it actually does is it takes us out of that place of listening to the Spirit. When the big things come, then we're like, God, help. And I'm going to listen, and hopefully he reveals something, and we go. But I believe the Lord wants to, to, to teach us how to live day by day in the Spirit. And moment by moment, listening to his voice and not getting caught up in traditions. And I know that in that scripture, it's referring to like these, these religious traditions. But I believe just in our lives, it's traditions, it's things that we do that actually affect our ability to listen to what the Lord is actually wanting to do in our life in that very moment. Because we're so caught up in, no, this is the way I do things. And, and to nullify the word of God, and, and it's not just the spoken or the written word, it's his spoken word. It's his spirit that is constantly speaking. And, and, and all we have to do is listen, but it's not that easy because there's, there's a million other voices and so many other distractions and so many other things going on and so many ways that we're already set in and our, our, our ruts that we kind of go in and it's like even when we get out of the rut we fall back into the rut because it's a rut <laughs> and it's easy to just poof, to go back into it it's easier just to sit in the rut right when you're driving and on a dirt road that has ruts you try to get out of it and it's like that ah, just drive in the rut <laughs> um, I believe the Lord wants to get us out of the ruts and, and into a place where we're constantly constantly listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and that's that tender heart. That's the place of the tender heart that the Lord is looking for. 
the moment that we get caught up in, in our ways, we get out of the, we, that's where the heart gets hardened. Um, let me stop. Let me, I want to talk into this, but I also, I want to share something with you. So pause. I'm going to come over here. We're going to receive an offering right now. Um, <laughs> but here's what I want to tell you guys. These glasses are so foggy, I can't see you guys. Uh, oh. So uh, it's either I get to see you or I get to see the pages. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to just tell a testimony um, of just God's goodness and one of the promises that he had for us two years ago in September um, the Lord just put it on our heart that he wanted to pay the debt off for this building. Um, at the time, it was still pretty much a mountain. We had, we had 1.7 or almost $1.8 million uh, of debt back in uh, two years ago. And uh, oh, you're not supposed to show the graph yet, but <laughs> you just blew it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, thank you guys. for. <laughs> uh, but, but over, the, over these past two years, we've just, and, and you would go in the midst of everything, in the midst of, you know, um, we've just had a lot of things in the church, um, felt like the Lord was almost kind of shrinking us down, um, paring us back. And it was like, I mean, I had a lot of words just about, oh, like, this is Gideon's army. Like, he's establishing, like, he's saying, no, I'm, I'm taking the remnant. I'm taking those that, uh, that are going to go after what the Lord wants to do and just setting things up in this place. He's kind of setting, resetting a foundation um, here. And, and uh, at moments, you're like, oh, Lord, what are you doing? And then to go, okay, in the middle of that, we're going to pay off the debt uh, and then on top of that, COVID hits. Uh, and so obviously that had, has a significant impact. I want to say, I, don't, I still don't understand it. I don't see how it could possibly happen. But now you can put the graph up. But, but as of Tuesday of this past week, I signed the final check to pay off all the debt. <laughs> That is a testimony of God's goodness, because everything would tell you it's not possible, especially in these times. And you can see from the time, the blue line, that's when we began to pray. We owed, we owed 1.77 million. And look what happened over the past two years. And that's the graph of basically of how our debt just dropped and dropped and dropped. And, and here was the, here's the cool part. The scheduled payments, where we're supposed to be right now, we're still supposed to owe 2.05 million dollars. That's where we're supposed to be on our debt payment right now. With a balloon payment of 1.4 million in 2023. Instead of that, we are debt free. And in the middle of that, look what the Lord is doing. Just we're seeing like with the food bank and the number of people we're praying for and the number of things that the Lord is doing and the partnerships we have with, with so many other churches right now and with Douglas County. I can tell you, we have an amazing county that is partnering with us and, and we get to do things in partnership with them. They love working with us. We love working with them and we're seeing the kingdom impacted in amazing ways as we work together. We have written more checks, helped more people in, in the past, like, especially year than we have ever done in, our, in the history of this church. Um, <laughs> none of it makes sense. So I just want to say glory to God because uh, it, it was not our wisdom. It was his ways. But I will say this. It was a promise that he said that he would do. And, and our job is not necessarily to figure it all out. I can tell you there were times in the process where we're like, oh, we should do this or we should do that. And, uh, and I think it's good. I mean, I know the Lord's like, you know, yeah, that's good. You guys do your stuff. But he's the one, <laughs> he's the one that actually does it. Our job is to take our little faith and to step out and say, yes, God. And faith is not just a belief to go, okay, God's going to do it. There's actually, there is action in when we step or when we, when we take hold of faith 
it actually requires action. It requires a step. Let me, let me just take you to this. So we're going to kind of take you to the end of the message, and then we'll go back to the beginning um, in the middle of the offering. Go figure that one out. <laughs> Still in the offering right now, talking about the end of the message, and then we'll go back. Uh, if you go to James, um, and by the way, I, I don't have slides because I didn't know where we're going or what we're doing. Um, but I would just encourage you, bring your Bibles. Um, you can follow along with your phones. Uh, Pastor Marcus tells us, says that uh, if, you, if you're following along with your phone, you're a phony Christian. But um, <laughs> Marcus's joke, not mine. <laughs> uh, but it's funny. So, um, but I would encourage you, follow along. And if, if you can take notes, I know like... Uh, Tracy, he'll, he has tons of notes. He does it on his phone, but he has all these notes that he takes and so he can go back and see things. So I just encourage you, however, however it works best, but, but don't just listen. Actually try to engage in a place of like following along um, with a Bible or with, a, with your phone. So, um, so here's, here's the part I want to read. It says this. This is, this is that understanding of faith. We need to understand faith. And uh, it's, it's, part, it's what activates the promise. Um, actually, Hebrews, Hebrews 4, what, what's, what verse is it, Christy? 4.3? Yeah, Hebrews 4.3 says this. <laughs> I'm just going to jump around. So jump to Hebrews, and then you don't have to jump here. I'm just going to read this quickly. Um, Hebrews 4.3 says, uh, For those of us who believe... Faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. So there's something powerful about faith. Our faith actually activates the promises of God. It releases grace into situations, and we begin to see the promises of God revealed. But this understanding of faith, uh, so now I'm just going to take you into James 2, starting in verse 14. It says this. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So a lot of times we go, well, just have faith, just believe. That's great, but that's, that's the mind part, and that's the, that's, where, <laughs> that's the first part of the battle, and we have to fight that, and we, we need to get there from that standpoint first, that we would have faith, that we don't have doubt, that we don't have unbelief, but that we actually have that place of faith. But then faith if it's not accompanied by actually action, if the Lord says go and you go, oh, yeah, Lord, I agree with you, that's a great idea, and you just stay in that place, that is not faith activated. That is, it's, I don't know what it is, it's dead faith. So there's, there's alive faith and dead faith. We'll kind of look at it like that. <laughs> so faith without, when it's not accompanied by action, it is dead. And then James goes on to say this, and he makes it very clear. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. <laughs> you believe that there's a God? So you have faith that there's a God? He goes, even the demons believe that. Right? Oh. Christy said not to go into this, but I'm going into it anyway. Uh, the... <laughs> Faith is not just believing. There is an action step. Otherwise, the demons, they believe they're all saved then, right? <laughs> no, they believe and they shudder. We believe and we actually step into the very thing that God has us do. That's the action part. And this is where the battle is won. This is when, when, Jesus, or when, uh, when God came to Joshua when they're about to cross the Jordan he says, where every place that you step, you're going to take territory. 
Not every place that you just believe that God's going to do something, you're going to take territory. The faith was that, they, that then you could actually step out. So it was faith accompanied by action released the very promises of God. Okay? This is important to understand because I think here's the thing I'm seeing in a lot of people's lives, and, and my life included. There are things that I feel like the Lord has given me promises, and I'm like, God, I believe it. Yes, it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. And I'm just sitting on it. I'm not actually activating it. I'm not actually stepping out. When, when Jericho was taken, it wasn't the faith part was trusting that the Lord actually had a plan. But then there was an action part that was actually done by Joshua and by the Israelites. They could have believed that they were going to take, uh, take Jericho. But until they actually stepped out and did the work that they were supposed to do, it didn't reveal the promise and the promise didn't come. And I think in our own lives, there are things that we're going, God, where's the promise? Where is it? I, I haven't seen it. And I, I feel like the Lord's going, step into your promise. Step out into the promise. Now, how? That's between you and the Lord. I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what he's doing. But I can tell you with this, like when, with the debt that we had, there was actually an action. I had, to, I had to take this before the Lord, and I was like, hey, guys, this is what I feel like the Lord is calling us to. We begin to pray into it. We begin to press into it. And then we begin to release it. We begin to declare it. It's not an easy thing to go, hey, the Lord wants to pay off this. And it's kind of that stepping out in faith. And when it doesn't happen, then it's like, well, he didn't hear the Lord. <laughs> um, I can tell you now, even, and I've talked about this, but when, I, when, we're, when I'm praying for people, I don't, I don't question whether the Lord's going to heal or not. I actually begin to just speak it, that the Lord is going to heal. And you go, well, what if he doesn't? That's between the Lord and, <laughs> and, and that person. I, I, all I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to speak the very things that God has already told me are going to happen. He says greater things will we do than what, the, than what Jesus did on the earth. Do we really believe it? And if we really believe it, are we actually stepping out and doing it? And then when it doesn't happen, do we stop doing it because, well, it didn't happen? Or do we go, no, I'm going to press into the very promises that God has, regardless of what I see in the natural. What we see in the natural actually stops us from entering into the promise. It, it's the thing that begins to harden our heart. We go, okay, God, I'm going to do it. It doesn't happen. We see it a different way, and we go, oh, it's not happening. And we begin to step into unbelief. We begin to step into disagreement with God's plan because it didn't happen the way we thought it was supposed to happen. We leave it to him to do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it. Our part is to actually just say yes and step into it. So that's what we did. So back to the offering. We're going to receive an offering. <laughs> uh, so let's pray. And uh, so if you can just put the slide up, and, and I just want to say I'm so thankful for your, not just your generosity, I, I believe you guys have amazing generosity, but for obedience. This is not about a manipulation, about saying, oh, you need to give, or you need to do this. This is about obedience to the king. We step into a place of obedience, and when we all step into obedience, that's that place of faith activated, and I believe promises are going to be revealed in greater ways. So... Don't do anything out of obligation, out of manipulation. Do it out of obedience to him. When the Lord stirs your heart, just do it. Don't question it. That's it. So, Lord, I thank you right now. We give you thanks for what you've done. Lord, I thank you that even the promise of paying off the debt, Lord, that we actually have seen this promise fulfilled. In two years' time, we have seen you take the debt down to zero. And, Lord, I pray that this would be encouraging to the hearts of people, Lord, that, that when you decide to do something, when you want to do something, our job is to say yes to it and to step into it. 
Lord, would you stir our hearts in this season that we would see promises revealed, that we would see the very promises. I feel like this is a now time to see the very promises of God established and revealed in this very time, not in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but it's for a now season and a now time as we understand and begin to step into it. So Lord, I pray for revelation. I pray for hearts to be turned to you, hearts softened, tender before you, that we would walk in your ways. As Christy was saying, that we would, we would walk in step with your spirit, not ahead, not behind, but that we would hear your voice and do accordingly to what you call us to do, moment by moment, day by day. So Lord, I bless every person here, everyone watching online. And Lord, I pray too, I just feel like, Lord, I pray that, that you would begin to remove the debts that people have, homes, cars, uh, <laughs> loans, things that, that have been set up, Lord, I, I, I just pray that this would be a time and a season of debts being removed, Lord, that we would begin to step into something new where we, we don't, we don't, we're not a people that are to be in debt <laughs> except to you. Our only debt is to you and to nothing else. You call us not to be in debt. So, Lord, I pray that this would be a time over this next season, Lord, that you would begin to reveal how we're to go, come out of debt in every area of our life, except for in you. Lord, the only debt that we have is our lives are indebted to you, that we are slaves and servants to righteousness and to nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, different kind of offering. <laughs> so let me, oh, goodness. We're going to go quick. Um, just going to hit some highlights. So I talked a little bit about Joshua. I want you to just see something. I feel like this is important. So when, we, when the promises come, um, so if you can go to Joshua 1, if you have your Bibles or your phones, there's a few things I just want to hit on here. Um, but this, so realize that this was, this was a promise that the Lord had for the Israelites 40 plus years before before Joshua 1. And, uh, and there were some things that happened that um, it, it's, there was, it's called the Great Rebellion. It's in Numbers 14, and you can see it. I'm just going to hit the highlight of it. But um, so just let me run to it. You can, you can just stay. You don't have to come here. I'll just go quickly. Um, but, but in this, so in, in Numbers 13, this is where um, there were spies sent out. You guys know this. There are 12 spies sent out. Joshua and Caleb are two of the 12 spies, and uh, these are leaders. These, are, these aren't just like guys that are, hey, let's pick 12. These are 12 people that are, were kind of, that were the leaders uh, of, the, of the Israelite tribes, and, and so they're sent out. Ten of them come back with a horrible report. Now, bear in mind, the Lord had already said that you're going to take the land, you're going to have this land. This land will be yours, and, and you will defeat every army that you face. And uh, so it, they all knew this, and they go into this territory, and they begin to survey the land. And, and I, it's interesting because um, Moses talks to him, and he's like, hey, check out. He's like, I want you to explore the land of Canaan and, uh, Canaan and, and see what the land is like and see whether the people who live there are strong or weak or few or many. And, and I'm kind of like, I, why would you do that? <laughs> why do you survey something that, and to know when you already know that you have it, that, that it's yours? But, but he does it, and so 10 of the 12 come back with a negative uh, response, a very negative response. And it's, it's kind of uh, quoted as the, like the worst rebellion. This was the one that really hit hard. And... Uh, to the point where they wanted a new leader, they were going to go back to Egypt, they were done, they were like, why are we here? And, and the grumbling and the complaining hit so hard that the Lord actually was like, you guys are done. I'm killing you all. <laughs> I'm done with you. I've had enough. And uh, I won't go into that, but, um, but the Lord, or, or Moses, kind of basically is, intervenes and says, Lord, don't do that. Like, these are your people, and everybody else is looking at them, and if you kill them all, it's going to look really bad for you. And so um, he actually, uh, it's the, 
Moses comes to him and says, hey, will you forgive these people? And, and the Lord says, yes. Um, but then he goes on to say, but, but this generation will not actually see the promise. Uh, I'm going to sustain them. I'm going to protect them. But I'm going to wait until the next generation is established. And that's the generation that is going to go in. Now, what's crazy is, is because of what they did, Moses says, guys, you really messed up. Um, <laughs> and he goes, now you can't go into the promised land. And then the Israelites are like, oh, we sinned. We should have gone into the, we should have taken the promised land like the Lord said. And, uh, and so they, they're like, we're going to go. And Moses says, no, 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 don't go now. <laughs> like, you had your chance. You messed up. Now the Lord's saying, wait. And they're like, oh, no, no, we're going to go. We know this is the promise of God. We're just going to go for it. And, uh, and this is that, like, you need to hear the Lord. <laughs> they were not listening to the Lord. They were not listening to Moses. And they, again, this is that hardened heart. They were like, no, now we're just going to do it because they thought that's what the Lord wanted them to do. So they try to go in. And what happens? They get destroyed. <laughs> the very thing that the Lord said that he had given them the, that territory, they went in to take, but they went in to take at the wrong time, and they were all destroyed. And so here we go now, 40 years later, and, uh, and this is where the Lord says, I will give you every place that you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And so where is, it? oh, this is kind of cool. So back real quick, back to in Deuteronomy 1.6, so they hold in this place. They're, this is the first, the, first, uh, the first round of the Israelites. They're holding in this place. And, and the thing is, the Lord told them that they have this land and that they can step into it. But they kind of got comfortable. And this is the other area. I just feel like comfort can actually keep us from our promises. Uh, they got comfortable in a place when the Lord actually called them to step into the promised land, and, and they didn't do it. And so... In Deuteronomy 1.6, it says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. <laughs> when the Lord says you've stayed long enough, he's like, you've actually stayed too long. You've been here too long. I've called you. He goes like, he said this, Break your camp and advance into the hill country. And what he was saying there, he talks about it, but he's saying, go into the promised land. He goes, see, I have given you this land. Go in. Take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers. These promises that we have, a lot of times we're like, okay, God, I see the promise. It's literally right over here. The Israelites could have gotten out of their camp, got up, and actually engaged, gone across, and taken the land. But they didn't. They sat there for a long period of time. They got comfortable. And then by the time they send in the spies, they like, then the spies come back and they're like, oh no, that's a disaster. We're going to get destroyed. Their mindset was not in a place to actually to step into the promises of God because a lot of it was the comfort level that, that they had where they were. And so I, I want to encourage you too. This is that get out of your comfort zone. Don't let, the, don't let the traditions of man nullify the word of God. Don't let the ruts that we're in actually keep us from the very promises that God has. So with Joshua, now back to Joshua, he said, it says this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So here's these promises now that the Lord has for Joshua. Joshua, he got to experience everything of the 40 years. He's, he and Caleb were the only two that got to go into the promised land. Everyone else of his generation did not make it, which is really sad. That's millions of people. <laughs> but, but those two, they got to enter in. And here's the thing. They saw what happened. What do you think Moses is going to do? Is he going to say, well, hey, guys, let's set up camp for the next year or two, and then we'll pray about it, talk about it, see how the Lord wants to do it? No, Moses or Joshua learned from the mistakes of the previous generation. This is the cool part, and I never actually saw this before. The Lord didn't say, hey, here's the plan. You're going to go in three days, and you're going to take the promised land. All, all the Lord said was, 
Every place you step, every place you take your foot, you're going to take territory. Joshua took that and said, okay, I know what the Lord said. I'm going to actually engage in the promise. He determined without the Lord, without any like word from the Lord, he said, guys, three days from now. They waited 40 plus years. He goes, three days from now, we are crossing over the Jordan and we are taking territory. This is what I believe. I, I hope this encourages you because I feel like when the Lord has given us these promises, don't wait on the promises. Step into the promises. Don't just have faith in sitting there. Have faith that's activated by motion, by movement, by stepping into the very things. And it's, and it's not going to make sense. The, <laughs> the time, so here it is. The Lord told him this. If I'm Joshua, this was at high tide. This was flood season. So it's like the, they got to they gotta bring over a million people across the Jordan River, and it's at flood season. It's at the highest level possible. Common sense? Guys, we're going to wait six months from now we're going to cross the Jordan when the water level's a little lower and we can get across to the other side. <laughs> but what did Joshua do? No, he said, three days, we're crossing. How we're going to cross? I have no idea. But we're crossing because every place that we step, we're going to take territory because that's what God said. And we're going to stand on that understanding, that perception, because his heart was not hardened. His heart was soft before the Lord, tender before the Lord, that he had a greater faith in trusting in the Lord than seeing what he perceived in the natural. So, so catch this, because here's the thing. When they stepped in, you can, you can go back and read it, but when the, when the Israelites stepped in, those that, were, that led the way stepped into the water. The waters did not part and like, oh, and then they step in and it's on dry land. No, they actually stepped into the flood. I don't know how many got wet before, before the waters parted. It says as they begin to step in, the waters parted. But, but my guess is the, the front crew was like, like, whoo, here we go. <laughs> like, they're getting washed in. This is flood season. They're going in and they're like, okay, God, we're going to trust you no matter how this looks. They've got, they've got a line of people behind them, and they're walking into basically something that they cannot walk across. There's no way they could get across with the ark to step in and go across this thing. But there was a trust in the Lord that he was going to fulfill the promise as they, as they begin to go. And Joshua said, you're going. Walk. <laughs> and they're like, okay, here we go. You know, put your snorkel on. Um, but then the Lord began to do amazing things. And so I just, I, I felt like we need to see that Joshua didn't wait for the Lord to go, okay, here's the plan. He already gave him the promise. Sometimes we don't get the plan. Sometimes we are actually to create the plan. We're supposed to put the plan together and say, okay, the Lord said this, let's go. Let's, let's do it. And, and trust that the Lord's going to do it, even when it doesn't make sense. Okay? 10-4? Um, okay. I've got a few minutes. i got to roll. Um, by the way, we're going out. You guys know we're going out? The plan is we're going to go up to Denver. We're going to... Uh, um, if you want to come go around here, you can. We're going to have blessing bags out there. But we're going to take a group, anyone who wants to go up to Denver, to the Civic Park. Uh, Denver, or what is it called? Uh, Civic Center Park. Thank you. <laughs> Civic Center Park. We're going to go up there. We're going to meet with uh, Recovered Church. They're going to be up there around uh, 1245, 1 o'clock. So we're going to meet them up there. And uh, we have tons of food in the back. Um, I've, literally, I think we can, we can feed about 1,000 people. Um, and so we're going to take that up, and for just about an hour and a half, we are going to feed people, bless people, and pray for people, and see what God does. Um, so we're going to do that shortly. Um, gosh, what do I do? Uh, let me jump into just Romans 4. I was in this, we were in this on Wednesday, and... Uh, So there's promises, there's faith, and then the unbelief, though, is the thing also that can, and it's that hardening of the heart that can actually shut down the very promises of God. Um, 
when we, when we step into a place of unbelief is basically, I've talked about it, it's different than, than faith or lack of faith. It's not a lack of faith. It's actually coming against the very plans and promises of God. It's that grumbling and that complaining that the Israelites did. Uh, when, when the Lord said, no, here's the plan, and they said, no, that's not the plan. No, that's not going to work. I, I want to warn you and caution you. The, it's better to keep your mouth shut <laughs> and not say anything at all than to actually speak against the plans and the promises of God. This is, let me actually, I'll just go this route, I think, um, kind of with the Christmas story here. You have two, you have two situations. Um, you, have a, you have an angel that appears to Mary, and uh, so as we're moving into Christmas here, this will tie in. Um, we have an angel that appears to Mary and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to give birth to the Son of God. And she's like, how's that going to happen? I'm a virgin. Like, <laughs> uh, and he says, the Holy Spirit is going to put Jesus, you're going to have Jesus on the inside of you, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And, and the words that she came back with, which are so cool, and this should always, this should be our response to the Lord. It's in, it's in Luke 1. Um, so I'm giving you the very short version of this, but I just want you to see how we respond to God's promises. Um, so he says, uh, you will be with child, you will give birth to a son, and you are going to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how will this be? <laughs> and this is where the angel says, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Um, and then he goes on to say, nothing is impossible for God. This is the angel. How does she respond? She says, I am the Lord's servant. This needs to be our response. When we hear the word of the Lord, when we hear, a, when there's a promise over our life, for whether it's for us or for whatever it is, we just say, I'm the Lord's servant. And then she said this, may it be to me as you have said. And she begins to step into the very promise. Now, contrary to that, there was uh, John the, the Baptist was also um, going to be born here and, uh, between, with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And uh, the, the angel comes to Zechariah and says, hey, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. Zechariah should have talked to Mary uh, before the angel came. Didn't happen. And uh, so what happens is it says... Zechariah actually, uh, and here he's a priest. Like Mary's not a priest; she's just a young lady that you know loves the Lord. But here's a guy; he's in the priesthood. He's he's one of the priests, like coming before the Lord. You would think, oh, he's he has the faith. <laughs> he's the one that's going to be like that's going to say, "Yes, Lord, do it unto me as as you will." No, that was Mary. Uh, this guy, um, he actually says, basically coming against the Lord. He's like, no, that's, that's impossible. That's not going to happen. And uh, <clears throat> he's talking to the angel. And uh, what is, how does he say this? <coughs> Sorry. Um, he says, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is what the angel is saying to him. Um, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah says to the angel, um, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in her, in her years. And, and let me say, there was a different tone to this than the way that Mary talked. And basically, he's going, yeah, I don't think this is possible. And, and he's not talking to just any angel, by the way. <laughs> The angel responds. He's like, how is this possible? The angel says this, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And then he says, but because of the way you've responded, I am now going to silence you, and you will not be able to speak until this happens. <laughs> because you did not believe my words. 
He stepped into a place of unbelief on the very thing that he had been praying for and asking for. The Lord gave him the promise, and he responded with unbelief. Now, the Lord was going to have this happen one way or the other, and the only way it was going to happen is he had to shut the mouth of Zechariah because when we actually speak against the promises of God, we abort the promises of God. It was nine months later when, when the baby was born and, uh, and Elizabeth says, we're going to name him John. And they go, what do you mean you're going to name him John? He should be named Zachariah after his father. And uh, they're like, okay, Zachariah, what are we going to name him? And Zachariah grabs the tablet and writes, his name is John. And at that moment, he was able to speak again. Nine months later, he was able to, he was able to speak. And it says that there were many that were in awe of what the Lord had done. And they saw the miracle even in that, and they knew something was up with this son that was just born. That is a promise that was birthed. I believe we are in a birthing season of promises. I believe we're moving into a season where the Lord is saying, the time is now. I'm calling you into the promises. The question is, will we walk in a place of saying, yes, Lord, do it according to your will. I am your servant. And will we step into it? Will we actually step into the waters when they're at flood season? Or are we going to go, no, I'm going I'm to wait until it makes sense. I can tell you that when the Lord puts promises in our life, it doesn't happen in the natural. His, the things that he does, he does in the supernatural. Why? Because he gets the glory. If, if it were all promises that we could then just do on our own, then who gets the glory? You look at the promises of God, you look at the things in, in Scripture, and, and these promises are crazy stuff. I mean, just look at Abraham. He's 100 years old. He's dead. His wife is pretty much dead. And they, and they have a son at 100. Sorry if you're 100 years old. <laughs> But they had no life to have a child. It doesn't happen. It's impossible. But God is a God of the impossible. It's what he told Mary. And, and I think we need to realize in our life, in this very season, God is a God of the impossible. Do we want to live our lives in the possible or in the impossible? I, I believe for everyone here, everyone watching online, there are promises that God has over your life. If you continue to do what you do, live the way you live, walk in the ruts that we walk in, not hear the Lord, <laughs> and, and, and I know like we're reading the Bible, we're doing these things, we're worshiping God, we love the Lord, but let me ask you, do you feel like you're living to the very fullest that God has for you? Do you feel like you're, you're, you're doing everything that God has actually set for you in this life? And, and if not... I don't think it's the Lord going, well, I just didn't think they had it in them, so I just kind of, I only gave you a little bit to do. <laughs> I guarantee you, every single one of us have amazing promises, things that go beyond our understanding, and our job is not to necessarily figure it out. Our job is to come before the Lord with a tender heart and say yes to what He wants to do. Get to know Him. Don't just read the Word. He says he puts his spirit in us. His spirit is actually life. If we just read the word, it's not life. It's not. And it actually will get you nowhere. We need Jesus. His spoken words are beautiful. They're precious. And that Bible that I read, I read that day in and day out. I, I eat that. And it is precious, but it is not life in and of itself. It is Jesus that brings life. And, and Jesus has given us a deposit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the thing that actually comes, and, and it says that he, he removes the heart of stone, he replaces it with the heart of flesh. It's the Spirit that he puts in us. It says he puts his Spirit in us. 
And that's how, what changes our heart to become like his heart. The, the, the last thing I want you to just catch here is his whole purpose is that our heart would look like his heart. That we would have the very heart, nature, character of God. That everything that we do would be what he does. That we would walk in step with him. That whole Galatians 5 that Christy talked about, that's that walking in step with the Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's actually the nature and the character of God being revealed in and through us. That love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that gentleness, that faithfulness, that self-control, that is God's character. It's his nature. And when we allow his spirit to actually begin to change our heart to become like his heart, then that fruit become, is released in us, and we actually look like Jesus. That's what he's looking for. More importantly than the promises. Like sometimes we can focus in on the promises. You become like him, and the promises will be fulfilled. You'll step into the promises. Get your heart right before the Lord. Tenderize your heart. Get into a place of repentance constantly. Repent before the Lord. I know that's a word we go, oh, we don't need to repent now. We're under the grace of God. No, he actually calls us to be repentant, to have a contrite spirit, to have a contrite heart. That is a repentant heart constantly. If you're not in that place, then the heart gets hardened. And then when he speaks, we don't hear it. Oh, gosh, there's... Okay, mm. we got to go. We got to get out there and do the ministry, do the work. Um, I would encourage you just, if you look at Mark, uh, the chapter, the book of Mark, there's just a, I'm going to give you the short version of this. Go back and read this because this is the disciples. Um, they, their hearts were hardened before the Lord. And they were in his presence. They were with Jesus. They were right there. And, and the first time Jesus says it, he's, it's in Mark 6. It's right after he feeds the 5,000. And, uh, and the disciples, they're in the boat. Jesus is walking across the water. They freak out. Then they realize it's Jesus. Jesus gets in the boat with them. And, and Jesus says this. He says, they have not understood about the loaves. Their hearts are hardened. And what he was saying there is there's, there's the miraculous that Jesus was walking in. And, and they just saw it, but they didn't get it. They literally just saw God, Jesus, multiply from five loaves, fed 5,000 people, had 12 baskets that were as big as a person left over. That's crazy. And then in the next moment, they're fearful. And they're not, they're, what they're not doing is they're not seen in the supernatural. They're, they're operating in the natural. It happens again when, when Jesus feeds the 4,000. It's funny that, so he feeds the 5,000. He tells them, guys, you didn't understand what I did with the loaves. Your hearts are hardened. He does it again with the 4,000. And he goes, <laughs> after, after this, he goes, do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have, you have eyes, but you fail to see, and you have ears, but you fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets or pieces did, did we pick up? And they're like, 12. And that's big baskets. So they had five loaves, broke them up, fed 5,000, 12 baskets. And then he goes, and when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? And they're like, seven. <laughs> and he goes, do you not understand? This is what I believe, like, when we're stepping and we're, we're complaining, we're grumbling, we're like, oh, we're just struggling. I mean, I just feel like there's an attack, like, we're being attacked, we're being attacked, we're being attacked. Guess what? The very thing that you say is going to happen to you. <laughs> Talks about this with the Israelites. Be careful what you say. And you might be, like, feeling like it's an attack, but press into what God is actually doing because he actually moves. A lot of times, the very promises are just around the corner of sometimes the heaviest times of your life. 
look at so many situations. Look at, look at how God moves. And when things look dim, that's when the promises happen. Look at Jesus. 400 years, darkest time in history. Jesus comes to the earth. Promise revealed. Promise given. In the very darkest time. All right, why don't you guys stand? Put your hand on your heart again. Because, man, we have, for all of us, this is the season. This is the time. We need to have tender hearts. I'm going to read this prayer as we close with your hand on your heart. And uh, the Lord put this on my heart. So it's a, it's a prayer that I prayed, and I'm going to pray it in the, in the, like, as I'm praying it myself. But you're going to pray this. It's just pray along with me in this. It is a time for giants to fall, for mountains to be removed, and for barriers to melt like wax. For the Lord Almighty goes before me. He is my righteousness. I follow him and no one else. My eyes are on him, no one else. My ears are attentive to his words. My eyes are set on his ways. I will live in Jesus. I will live for Jesus. I will walk out my days surrendered in wholehearted devotion to the King. Jesus, you are my King. You are the King of glory. I will not bow to another. I, knew I will not give way to anything that is not in complete alignment with the King and your kingdom. So may your kingdom reign as I take authority in the heavenly realms. You have given me power to create firestorms, Holy Spirit whirlwinds. Your kingdom is of power, not with words of human wisdom or intellect. Nothing can compare to you, Jesus. Your ways are supreme. They are superior. They are beautiful. They are precious to me. I will live for you. I will die for you. I will be a living sacrifice, a sacrifice that surrenders all. Have your way in me. Remove me from me. Remove my selfish ways. Remove my selfish nature. Replace it with your love, your goodness, your power, your grace, with your spirit. It is time for me to enter into the fullness of your love, into the heavenly realms, into your promises. I see with your eyes, and I know you with the knowledge of your spirit. I say yes. May your fire burn within me. May it consume me. May it overwhelm me. May it sanctify me. May it encounter me. Fill me. Fill me, fill me to overflowing with your spirit. Never let me go. Never leave me. Pierce my heart, O oh Lord. And may my soul long for you. Amen.